When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. On today's episode of the OC Office Hour, we're going to take a look in the mirror and see where we're at at this point in the season, talk about some potential adjustments to make, and certainly on how to keep enhancing what we're doing and being leaders. And joining me to discuss all of that is a guy who's been on this podcast before and had some, some great conversations here, Coach Tony Franklin. Coach, great to have you back again. Thank you, Keith. I'm honored to be here. Coach, this time of the year... It's different in all states. You and I were, were talking about it. Some some have three games in. We're, I'm here in Ohio. They're in, going into week seven right now. So a lot of different points in the season where teams are. But I think what you see at this point, regardless, is you really know who you are. And I think everybody who's listening can, can relate to this. And sometimes that's not always who you thought you'd be when you put all the plans together and installed it in camp. I 100% agree, Keith. I think that the mark of great coaching is when you start off with an idea and a plan and, and you're pretty sure that you know who you are and you believe who you are and you get game three, game four into the season, you find out, you know what, I might have been wrong because you never know when you're just facing yourself. And then you play a game and you might even play a game and win 50 to nothing. And you think, oh, my God, you know, I was right. I'm, I'm so smart. Everything is so good. And then all of a sudden you play two or three games in a row of people who are as good as you are and maybe even better than you are. And you find out that you're not who you thought you were and that you're instead of being good at this, you're good at something else. And what you have to be able to do is to look at that reflection in the mirror and say, you know what, I was wrong. Let's make a quick adjustment. Let's make sure that we're honest and we communicate this adjustment with our team. And then we go out and we do the best that we can off of what we see in that reflection. And then that reflection also can be based upon, especially in high school football, based upon injuries. Because you may go from having, you know, a college prospect, receiver, quarterback, defensive tackle, linebacker, somebody, and then the backup who has to play because there's nobody else might be a guy that's just very simply not a very good player at all, but he's all you have. There is nobody else. And so you got to play that guy. And all of a sudden that can change your plans as well. So the biggest thing in having continued success 
as a high school football coach, especially, but you know, in college it pertains to, but just not as much because usually the backup should be able to do something is that your ability to look in the mirror, reflect, be honest and make the good adjustments. Some of those early successes and even some of the early failures, I think can do the same thing to you. They, they can give you a false sense of what's really happening within your offense. And, you know, there's teams that you could probably go out and line up backwards and beat just because your talent is so much better. And in those instances, it really doesn't matter what offense you're running. You would have beat them regardless. So I think it starts to, to be looking at some of the teams you know are going to be difficult and what things are you really going to need to beat those teams and, and trying to get the focus to those spots. Cause I think at times we, we might do some things that look great early on, but then they get shut down and sometimes you don't have a progression of answers. So let's take a look at the one thing first, being able to maintain that sense of where you're really at and looking for, I guess, what might be indicators as to how good you are, regardless of what the scoreboard says. What what things would you look at, Coach, to figure that out? Well, I think the first thing is is that you have to remember a, a philosophy that I really believe in. Everything is relative. This guy's the best I've ever seen until all of a sudden he faces someone who is just as talented. You have to be able, and to me, this is what it takes. Sometimes this is years of experience, which is you understand that what you're watching is not reality. You understand that those people on the other side of the ball, either in two ways, this is just as important. Number one, they weren't anywhere near as talented as you are. And therefore what you're seeing isn't, it's okay that it was easy, but it wasn't real. It's also just as important to flip it, which is, And I'll give you a great example of this that everybody in the country probably notices now. Middle Tennessee, that I coached at, you know, six years, one season, and then five in another time, opens up the season, loses to James Madison 44-7. Everybody's, oh, my God, you know, fire stock still again for the 95th time that they wanted to do that. Middle's going to have a terrible year. They may not win a game because, you know, here's a school that just moved up from FCS the FBS, and they beat them 40-47. Those of us in football knew James Madison for years could beat 40 Division I teams. I mean, easily could go out and do it. So when you look at it, you go, okay, yeah, we played like shit. Uh, Yeah, we we couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. Uh, But you know what? We're not that bad. So let's just get better at it. Let's simplify whatever it is that their philosophy was. And then they go beat Colorado State. They beat Tennessee State, same thing. But then they go down to Miami and they beat Miami. So the point is this. When you look at it, you go back and say to yourself, we're not that bad. That team's really good. People will see it by the end of the year. Obviously, James Madison turns around and beats App State this past week. Who beat A&M, right? So you look at all that stuff in the college deal. Sometimes it magnifies itself and you can see it. So you got to be careful on both ends of the spectrum. We're not that bad. Let's just get better at these things. And also, we're not that good. And you can make sure that you show guys when you win a game 40, 50, 60 points, one of the best things you can do as a coach 
is go in on that film that you won by 40, 50 points and go, look, we played like crap. Look at this detail. Look at your stance. Look at how you blocked and you didn't get your feet moving. Coach, we won by 50 points. Yeah, and guess what? When we play so-and-so down the road, you'll lose by four touchdowns. Because when you win big, it's the best time to be critical. When you lose big, sometimes it's the best time to have some praise. And that's hard for people to understand. But you got to be able to look at yourself both ways. Absolutely. I I think... You make that error as a young coach quite a bit where you have those blind spots. And I, I agree with you 100% is you really got to sit down with a critical eye and find something. Maybe it's just a few things and not just find them and point them out, but really make sure that in practice, those are the things you work on and focus on all week long, getting to the point of guys, this is about the details. All right. The result is not always going to be the same. Sometimes it might not be what we want. Sometimes it may be everything we want and more. But if we're not taking care of the details, at some point this will break. Agree 100%. That's the smartest thing any podcaster has ever said. Details make champions. Failure to notice doing the details right will make you lose to someone who is not even as good as you. If you coach details, and you let nothing slide, you will be the best that you can be. Whatever that is, it may be that you have enough talent to win a state championship. It may be that you only have enough talent to win one or two games, but details will guarantee that you reach your maximum capacity. Ignoring details will also guarantee that you do not reach your maximum capacity. So anytime as a coaching staff that you don't notice details, you're going to lose. I'll give you a great example. One time in a high school deal where I was coaching a high school team, we make it to a state championship, we have a fumble. During our perfect drill during that week, we did not emphasize enough putting the ball away, getting the ball on the top of the number. Oh, we've already made it to the championship week. We're going to relax. People are out watching us practice. You know, it's fun. It's the greatest thing. You're in a state championship game. When we fumbled the ball in that game and lose the game by a touchdown, it's not the kids' fault for fumbling. It's our fault for not recognizing and correcting the details. Details will make you the best that you can be. The danger is when you do start to get lax with those, right? Like you just pointed out here. And it can happen if it always feels like, well, we're, you know, these are the drills we do every day at this period, whatever, right. right? Like, I think there's a trap in the idea of everyday drills that some coaches get caught in. And I don't care if you're a, a believer. I have a, a variation of it. Like, it doesn't really matter if you're an everyday drill guy or if um, you focus on things in a different way. To me, it still boils down to how are you coaching it, right? That drill doesn't matter if the focus isn't on the details. And I, I think that's, that's a, a trap though, for some guys, you know, to think, well, we're, we're doing it every day. They're focused on the details. When in reality, if you're not coaching it up, exactly like you said, don't expect it to happen. And when, in, when you didn't coach it up, better go look in the mirror first. Exactly. I'll give you again, another great example is that to me, the most important drill that we do every day is pat and go. 
So you may be a high school coach and n not get pressed until week 11. You know, you're in the first round of the playoffs. And so during pat and go, you get lackadaisical. You don't coach restacking, getting back over the top, getting back on top of the numbers. You let it slide a little bit. You're not getting any press or you're not noticing it. And then all of a sudden, you're playing a team that comes up and gets in your guy's face. And so the receiver releases. He gets pressed. He gets walled almost out of bounds. There's no room for the quarterback to throw the ball. Then the young coach is screaming at the kid. The screaming should have been done eight weeks ago. The first time that you noticed that that guy did not restack, that he didn't get back over the top, that he didn't catch the ball fading to the outside. And because when it happens in a game, it's too late to fix it. It's not going to get fixed in the game. It had to get fixed in week four, week five, week six. And the biggest thing that I've said when I've been coaching and I've got a new young coach on the staff, they get bored. They get bored with coaching pat and go. They get bored with coaching perfect drill. They think they don't have to do it. And so that's when I become a horse's ass. And that is, is to make sure that you understand if you get bored as a football coach and you don't hustle, on the simplest of details every day, then you're not going to be the best that you can be and your players will not be the best that they can be. That's exactly it. As I've stepped away from the game and, you know, you sit in the stands to watch the game, it's always different. But the one thing I, I love, I always love getting there early and watching teams warm up. And there's a lot I can tell about what the outcome is going to be just in that warm up. Again, a rookie mistake. I see guys out there, they're doing their work, and coaches throwing around a football to each other. Yeah, like All right. you All right. are here. I know it's warm up, but you need to be coaching them here too, right? You need to be right there alongside of them. It doesn't have to be over coaching them, but but that has to be every opportunity, including that one warming up before a game. You know, you have to be doing it, and and it's, then it's the details that I'm watching in the drills that they're running. Are you kind of going through the motions here or is there a specific purpose to all the things that you're doing here to warm up? And, and I'm telling you, I could spot and probably tell you the, the score of the game within a touchdown by just watching that. Now, that's a great point. Uh, um, and I'll tell you what else you can tell during warmups. If, if you are coaching the way that you should coach, you can tell when a player as he warms up, all of a sudden he's been doing his details in practice. He's been doing all that. And in the middle, in the warm ups, let's say that again, like in Pat and Go, most coaches know what that is is that you got a kid who's restacked, got over the top, got over the top of the numbers, exaggerated the look to the tuck every day for 50 days in a row. You get in warm up, right? It's game day. The band's playing, the popcorn smells, the cheerleaders are there. He doesn't do any of it. You better jump on him right now because I can tell you from 41 years of experience now of doing this, that guy will lose the game for you. That guy will not look a ball in. He won't restack. He won't put the ball up high because there's something that's clicked in his brain that has made him go off. It might be that he wants attention. And all he can think about is how pretty he looks in his uniform. And, and coach, it's the same thing, Keith, with coaches. I watch young coaches sometimes 
and not only just young coaches, but sometimes old coaches, all of a sudden the popcorn, the uniform, and all that other stuff, they're more interested in being seen than they are in coaching and winning a game. Mm -hmm. So that's where the leadership of a head coach has to notice those things, correct, and fix those things. And it never ends. It doesn't matter if you're coaching at age 65 like I am or if you're a new head coach at age 25 like I was 40 years ago. You better learn that stuff as fast as humanly possible. Definitely. Looking at some some other things along these lines, Coach, you know, we talked about the situation where you have to admit maybe you were wrong, that you've you've been trying, um, you're trying to get things going with this offense. You, in some ways, maybe have even been forcing it to try to prove you're right, right? But the responsible thing, and I think to me even the, the ethical thing is to admit you're wrong because what's at stake here isn't just wins or losses. It's going to be the experience of these, these players. When you are forcing them into a situation where you're not maximizing their talents you're not fitting the pieces into the puzzle the right way it's it's something really that it's going to end poorly for everybody right and and ultimately you know this this game ends and the guys who you coached are going to look back on it and and have the memories of it and what it meant to them and what they learned from it and I think it's a a big lesson for them when you do step up and say guys we got we need to make some adjustments here to how we're doing things I think blunt honesty is always the best thing to teach your young men to become future leaders. You as a, again, I don't care if you're 40, 50, 60, 30, whatever it may be, looking at your group, accepting responsibility. I made a point of this in one of my podcasts earlier this year when Eli Drinkwitz steps up to the mic after a game and he said, you want to blame somebody for the special team's failure? It's me. You want to blame somebody because we stunk on offense? It's me. You want to blame somebody because we stunk on defense? It's me. I am the reason that we did it. Well, to me, that was a moment of great leadership that you don't see a whole lot in college football, especially. Him looking at his young men in the eyes and saying to the whole world, it's me. And then I promise you, in, in the rooms, in the meeting rooms, in the film rooms and all that stuff, he's making everybody accountable. But to the public, he's taught one of the most valuable lessons ever. There's so many guys that are either NFL or, or college high-profile jobs that whenever something goes wrong, it's always somebody else's fault. It's never their fault. And what a horrible example of leadership. If they want to step up and be braggadocious and, and all that stuff when you know everything goes right. But leadership is always about doing. It's about doing the right things and teaching your young men to accept responsibility. And like you said, hey, guys, I'll be honest with you. We tried this. It was wrong. It was my fault. It's not your fault, but it's going to be your fault because I'm going to make sure that we fix this, and here's how we fix it. And there's nothing better for them than to see you admit your mistakes and the fact that you're human. So getting into the technical side of it, Coach, and and looking at that, you know, the season isn't, necessarily the time to do a complete overhaul so what's an approach that at least to build on everything done to that point but to to be able to also move forward and as i said maximize what you do have available okay great 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 question number one is always the same simplify it doesn't doesn't mean you're changing 
you just reduce. Always take away rather than add. You can make formations uniquely different, but run the same stuff. You can make small little changes. If you're running 35 plays and your kids are confused, can't get lined up, don't know what to do, cut out 20 of them and only run 15 plays. It's always to me that when things aren't working, get simpler with what you're doing. It could be making an adjustment. You know, it might be, let's say that you're, you know, a wing T team and, you know, maybe you've got somebody that was a good thrower and you, the offense isn't allow them to, to take advantage of their strengths. So maybe you still keep in some of the concepts of the wing T, but you go to the shotgun and you add four new passing deals that are simple, that are maybe just two-man read progressions that are easy to put in that day. You can go out and say, hey, we're just going to run flat curl because you know we haven't taken advantage of this guy because he's a really good thrower. You can do things without a complete overall in the middle of the deal. You can just make some simple slight adjustments that even people may not even recognize that you've made them, but your players know, and all of a sudden they maximize and get to the best. See what your guys can do. Do what they can do. Keep it simple. In looking at doing it that way, too, I think an important thing is then figuring out how does this adjust in practice, too, right? Right. If, if we've simplified here, and let's go back to everyday drills, you really need to consider, okay, is the drill I'm doing right now relevant? In other words, is it going to show up on game film in with these adjustments we made, or do I need to put this in a different situation? Do I need to tweak it? Do I need to run something else in my individual? Yeah, I think that the individual drills, the things that you've done, if you get to this stage of the season where we've all played, you know, three, four, five games, so on through the deal, is that if you're constantly complaining, you know, my inside receivers aren't blocking well, my outside receivers aren't blocking well, go back and look and say, what's your emphasis in practice? Are you emphasizing, let's say that you're throwing the ball 10 times a game, you're running it 45 times a game, but in practice, you're spending 70% of your time throwing the ball and 10% of your time where the receivers are blocking. And the reason they're not blocking well is because you don't have your points of emphasis right in practice. So look at your time allotment for the things that are important. What do these guys do the most? What are they good at? And then how do we adjust our practice schedules? Sometimes practice schedules, you can cut something out completely. I've seen guys that practice something, you know, for 90% of the season and never run it. You know, they just do it. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Worst answer in the world to any question is, well, that's the way we've always done it. Well, the way you've always done it isn't working. It's probably time to change that. So, again, it's back to that same thing of being reflective, using common sense, and then making those simple adjustments. And then the other thing I really believe in, Keith, the longer the season goes, especially in high school, if you're getting ready to get into the playoffs and you have a chance to be a playoff team, to make a run in the playoffs, always remember, cut practices shorter, don't make them longer. The one thing, Rush Probst told me this a long, long time ago, one of the most successful high school coaches in the history of the game, and one of the reasons that he won so many state championships was when they would get in the playoffs, when everybody else was going longer and longer and longer and longer, he was going shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter because he always believed 
fresh and fast in the playoffs are going to win. Keep your guys healthy, keep them fast, and then you're going to win more games in the playoffs. Now, the other situation that occurs, we, we talked about the one that you know, we can take control of there and, and getting things adjusted, but there's the situations, and I think it happens at, at every level, uh, where, where somebody goes down, and it doesn't matter who it is. It could be the quarterback, it could be the guard, uh, it could be a receiver, uh, but the pieces start to change. Uh, I always took an approach of, of knowing, okay, if this happens, this wouldn't be good. Here's our fix for this particular night. Right. And then I think sometimes you put the Band-Aid on it, but sometimes you're going to have to look at, do, do you do surgery on things afterwards? So uh, I guess an approach that you like to take to be able to, I guess, plan ahead or plan for these things and then make some adjustments when they happen. Yeah, I think you have to have a, in your, in your brain, you have to have a plan for everything. And then you have to have at least spent a little bit of time on that plan. Uh, in 2016, when I was back at Middle Tennessee for the second time, we go into, I think it was the last game of the regular season, we're playing Florida Atlantic. Uh, our first quarterback was out for the season. Our second quarterback was playing pretty decent. Our third quarterback was a guy that at that stage – wasn't good enough to come in and to win a game. So what we had done was spend five to 10 minutes a day with two really good athletes as quote, wildcat quarterbacks. We only ran about five to six plays with each of those guys, but that was a disaster plan that if now the second team QB is hurt and is out, you know, for the game, how are we going to finish and have a chance to win? So the idea was put the best athlete back there and have a simple plan. Well, guess what? That game, first quarter, score a touchdown, quarterback gets knocked out, he's done. So now we have two wide receivers that play quarterback for the rest of the game. We alternate them throughout the game. And everybody thinks, you know, this, oh, my God, you know, how do you do this? Hey, well, we'd spent five to ten minutes for about three weeks on running just a few simple plays. Well, it turns out we have the best – night in the history of the school. We score 70-something points. We have over 700-something yards. We throw the ball for like 300-something. We run the ball for 400-something. And it wasn't a genius deal. It was a desperation plan that had already been in place. It wasn't the desperation plan, though, being put in that day. It was the desperation plan being planned in advance that if these things happen, this is how we'll handle it. I think that's part of a head coach or a coordinator responsibility is that if A, B, and C happen, what are we going to do? Here's the other thing that you have to be careful about. Don't make four moves when you have one injury because what you could possibly do is make four positions weaker. Well, i got to move this guy to here, and then I'm going to have to move this guy here and this guy here because this guy can't do this. Sometimes playing a worse player in one spot that's going to make you worse in that one spot is still better than making three moves that actually make three places weaker. So you got to be careful about making too many moves based upon one injury. Sometimes it can be that, you know, you're a four wide team and you have no more receivers. Sometimes it might be, you know what, we have six good old linemen. 
we're going to make one of these old linemen now put a 90 number on him. He's a tight end. And we're just going to run three receiver routes now. You know, we're just going to make it simpler by doing that. You just have to have that plan in mind before it happens on game day. Great points there, Coach. And, and to wrap things up, we've talked a ton today, interspersed throughout of it. All of this is really a, a conversation on leadership, that leadership is taking accountability. Leadership is attention to details. Leadership is planning ahead, right? All those different kinds of things here. And to wrap up, you know, you said something before we got going. Leadership is learning. And I think that's what we talked about here. Everything that is going on, all these different situations that force you to react, you, you need to continue to learn as a leader as well. I think that the moment you stop learning, the moment you think that you can't learn anything new because you know everything, you've been taught everything, that's the moment you need to get out of it. You need to move on because every great leader is learning every day more and more. Every great leader admits his faults. Every great leader makes adjustments. And then every great leader looks in the mirror and he tells the truth. There's some people that look in the mirror, but all they think when they look in the mirror is that it certainly isn't me because I am perfect. I am infallible. Great leaders look in the mirror and go, you know what, Tony, this is your fault. You're the person in charge. You're the person that's not doing as good as you could do. And you're the person that needs to make the first change. When you're willing to do that, then others will follow. When everything is blame, 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 blame somebody else, it's very difficult to be a leader at all except for a bad leader. Coach, before we go here, I know you, you have a podcast of your own. Uh, I do listen to it and in, enjoy uh, everything you do there. You're uh, entertaining as well as teaching. And uh, tell tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast. Well, it's the Coach Tony Franklin podcast. I, I try to do um, something every day. Um, sometimes I, I've, I've had some days where I've done some repeats, especially in the summer. But I try to do something new every day. Uh, during the season right now, it's it's focused on during the week of trying to make a 10 to 15 minute little session of something of value that might make your day better as a coach or as a fan, as a player, that you may learn something that might win a game for you, that might make a difference in your life. So that's what I try to do during the season. On the weekends, I try to give my thoughts on college football of what people should look for to make it more entertaining, who's doing a good job, who's not doing a good job. I'm blunt, I'm brutally honest, I'm vulgar. Uh, it's not for everybody. I say lots of words that are people don't want to hear. Uh, if you're politically correct on everything you do, you definitely will not enjoy uh, listening to me. So it's not for everybody. But what I try to do is to give an honest, valuable opinion about things that are important to me, which obviously football leadership um, and those things are the things that are important to me. But uh, it's the Coach Tony Franklin podcast. I appreciate everybody that listens to it and also appreciate the hundreds of high school coaches that reach out to me and say thank you because it's, it's not a profitable business. It's not something that I'm making an income off of. Uh, and I do it simply because I get an email or I get a direct message from usually a coach or a fan that says, I don't like you. I can't stand you, but that was a really good point, and thank you for saying it. Or 
It's somebody that says, Coach, I hadn't thought about that. We did that this week. It helped us to win a game. Thank you for that. Or a player that says, Coach, I was really down, and that helped. Those are the reasons I still get on every day and throw something out there. Well, likewise, Coach, I want to thank you for taking the time today and sharing some insight into the topics we discussed. And as always, it's great to talk ball with you. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it so much. Take care. 